With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, it's been a while. Welcome, everyone, back uh, to BAMS Radio. I'm your host, Rudy Arman, here on this Sunday uh, as we are recording another hour or so of content, catching one, everyone up on our take on the Alabama football, talking a little basketball as well as Nate Oates and the boys are red hot right now. Winners are four in a row. I just got back last night. Uh, late, early in the a.m. Uh, from uh, covering Alabama versus, uh, you know, what their big win uh, over Kansas State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. They will take on SEC unbeaten leader as far as unbeaten in the conference, LSU on the road on Wednesday, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But we're also going to ch- uh, catch you up on Alabama football. Uh, you know, the last time we spoke with you, it was just after, I believe, the bowl game uh, when they were able to take care of Michigan. And finish another 11-win season, nine in a row for Nick Saban. Unprecedented in college football. Uh, but now they're going to try to climb the mountain again uh, and return to the top as national champions. Uh, the, as we said, the early signing period went well. Uh, Alabama holding on to everyone, uh, especially Tim Smith, who the Gators had made a run at. So right now Alabama's in a pretty strong position with the number two overall class. But as per usual, some moving parts, a lot of, uh, you know, intrigue uh, because there's not many spots left. And so it seems to be all revolving around McKinley Jackson, who's maybe arguably the top uh, prospect left on the board as as an interior defensive lineman. Uh, But uh, also we want to say a a special shout out, and this is only just to pay homage and respect. There has been a tragedy uh, you know, of epic proportions in the basketball world. This is where we're about to record this show, and that's Kobe Bryant. And it looks like it's been confirmed that he and it looks like his four daughters were lost in a helicopter that, crash that's this morning being on Sunday. Right now, we just oh. know Kobe, just FYI. Okay, I will see. But uh, it's a, it's a, ESPN is reporting it as official uh, that he has passed away in a helicopter crash. But we hope the daughters weren't involved, but that's something that's trying to be confirmed. I think they, they said Kobe and four others were lost in this crash. So hopefully uh, we will get some clarity on that. But just wanted to pay respect to Kobe, uh, you know, one of the great uh, top 15 to 20 players of all time, definitely Lakers royalty and someone that's on the Mount Rushmore of Los Angeles Laker uh, history. Uh, gone much too soon at age 41, and we will confirm later uh, the others lost in that crash. Uh, if it was his children, it reminds me of the Saran staging situation several years ago in the car crash with Saran, uh, his first wife, and some children, and and uh, he lost some uh, some of his kids in that in that and his first wife in that crash. He's uh, re- recovered remarkably to have an outstanding life right now and remarried, has children, but. Uh, it's just a tragedy that's senseless, and we wanted to pay respect to him. But, uh, again, I'm your host, Drew Yarman here for, uh, for this uh, podcast, BAMS Radio, with Thomas Watts, who you heard, the wizard behind the curtain, and William Redfish Barger. But uh, this is sort of a national story, and 
just wanting to pay respect to someone because you never want to see something horrible like this happen. But certainly we're here uh, to talk University of Alabama. But want to welcome uh, you guys back into the conversation. Good to hear from you, Thomas. I know you've been very busy. And William, uh, good, uh, good afternoon to both of you. I got a quick question, and I don't know if it's my CTE kicking in or did, did Kobe Bryant come straight out of high school into the NBA? Because I can't remember where he went to college if he did. You're, he did. You remember correctly. Uh, he came out okay. of Pennsylvania and uh, spent, uh, you know, his entire career of about 20 years with the Lakers. Uh, he did. He was a he was a McDonald's All-American, really the number one player in the country, the son of Joe Jellybean Bryant, who played a long time in the NBA and overseas. So, yeah, he uh, he came out of the, uh, Pennsylvania and was a great, uh, or he was really Philadelphia and was a great was a great player. You know, he he briefly considered going to college, but I think he really wanted to go straight to the NBA. And the thing about Kobe was he's always very intelligent, very well spoken. He was his father was uh, still playing, you know, for. Uh, a lot during his youth and he was growing up around his dad so he was fluent in more than the English language because he lived overseas and he was kind of a renaissance man he wasn't all about basketball and, uh, he, had, he had settled uh, well into retirement he'd been doing some stuff for ESPN just a, uh, a little bit not broadcasting but some stuff with their you know uh, with their website and stuff like that and, and doing with ESPN.com and breaking some things down and and, uh, you know, analyzing basketball. But he was also spending a lot of time raising his children. And, again, it's just a tragedy, man. But it goes to show you just never know when your time's going to come. So always treasure your uh, your time uh, on this earth. So, uh, again, thoughts and prayers out to the Lakers and to Kobe Bryant today and uh, his loved ones, especially his wife, Vanessa, who is, uh, I'm sure, there's no, it's just I can't even imagine what she'd be going through right now. And, of course, his parents. Uh, laid the fourth by Joe Bryant. But yeah, it's just a, it's a tragedy, no doubt about it. But again, we're here to, to talk University of Alabama. Uh, the Tide trying to finish out a recruiting class strong. And William, uh, you know, it, we're trying to chase every angle of this deal. But it looks like uh, this recruiting class is going to basically come down and revolve around whether or not they can sign McKinley Jackson and some things around that kid been like a roller coaster have changed in the last couple of weeks yeah and you know i, I never have been one and, and never will be somebody that you know allows the sum of a recruiting class to revolve around one person right. every every you know every every everybody points to julio jones from that 2008 class and certainly he was one of the centerpieces but a lot of other great football players you know made up that class. There's a lot of them that are going to make up this one as well. Not not to say that I'm trying to insinuate that, that Alabama doesn't have a great shot at landing McKinley Jackson, but they've already put in a lot of really good work in this class. I mean, we've, we've discussed what a great linebacker class, uh, maybe the best that's ever been signed at Alabama uh, collectively when you look at the, you know, the numbers, the quality and uh, the elite prospects that are in that position grouping. Certainly, I felt like from day one, uh, two years ago, back when a lot of people just thought that, that Timmy Smith was a, you know, a fat, overweight nose guard type. You know, you could see the, the quick twitch ability that he had even when he was a little bit overweight. Um, some people thought the same thing about Deron Payne. It's, 
you know, you kind of need to wait and see what happens. Uh, you know, once a player hits a college strength and conditioning and nutrition program, and you know, in Smith's case, that already happened his senior year. So certainly adding McKinley Jackson um, would, would make that interior defensive line uh, portion of this recruiting class that much better. Uh, they've already got some really good players that are going to end up in dead edge positions along the defensive line. And, uh, yeah, I think he would be a great addition, but I certainly don't feel like it's a, a make-or-break type deal for, you know, the 2020 Alabama recruiting class. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, you know, I think there's no question about it. Uh, it's a, it's going to be interesting to see how it, uh, how it uh, winds up. I mean, I think – they're definitely looking at the graduate student, the tight end from North Carolina. Uh, you know, uh, Carl Tucker. He's a uh, he's been he was on campus today. I think they want someone that's a, a well-round tight end that can be an inline blocker and receiver. Ennis Rakestraw was on campus. Uh, there's been words that they would like to add another defensive back to this group. We'll see if they liked him enough on the visit to allow him to commit. Uh, from Duncanville, Texas. So, I mean, we will see. So, uh, you know, we we uh, I know uh, the, the, they only have a, a few spots left. I still think they're going to take Javon Baker, uh, the wide receiver from McEachern High School in Georgia. I know he has some academic concerns, but I think they have a plan for him. The unknown is kind of Jamil Burroughs. I've heard his academics are not in great shape that he would need almost a 4.0 GPA to qualify. So, William, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in because he shut his recruitment down. Yeah, and, and you know, there's – I think that might be the, you know, the better story here is, you know, I still think there's two, three, maybe even four people um, that, that people are expecting to be a part of this class that, that may not end up being, uh, you know, due to grade issues – you know, maybe they found a better, you know, prospect elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I think that final, uh, you know, the, the final finality of the class is still up in the air at this point a little bit more than some people think. I mean, it's not just McKinley Jackson and, you know, adding one more DB and, and uh, you know, maybe a grad transfer tight end. I still think there's a handful of guys that, that may vanish between now and national signing, even though that's, Yeah, it really is it's a week and a half away, no doubt about it. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, they've got, I still hope they bring in Princely, uh, uh, Human Meline, uh, who's a, a defensive lineman who I think has a lot of upside, 6'4 and a half, 270 pounds. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I, I, uh, I think he, uh, he could be another Quinnen Williams type, very disruptive once he gains weight. He's got huge hands. Uh, he he measured six four and a half two seventy on his visit to Texas. He's visiting Florida this weekend. He's got Auburn scheduled, uh, but we'll see if he ever you know if if Alabama gets involved. I've heard that he would visit if if uh, they wanted him to. Very interested uh, in the University of Alabama. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, you know I, uh, I you know we we will see. But uh, I, I I'm not uh, I think he would have a lot of upside I think uh, to me that I, I would sign both him and McKinley Jackson and then let the other pieces work out where they may we'll see but Nick Saban he's a big numbers guy as well even though he does 
uh, do an outstanding job evaluating talent. He wants to uh, get you fill all the needs, and that's why tight end and defensive back are a part of the conversation. It also could lead to a guy like Caden Clark uh, from Ohio, Red uh, Grace Herding, who is, and they would make sense. He tore two ligaments in his knee toward the end of his senior year of high school. Also, uh, it, uh, would, it begs the question with Malachi Moore. He already didn't enroll early due to numbers, and uh, that's another young man being a local in-state kid. It wouldn't hurt his career that could end up gray shirting as well. So there's a lot of moving parts, William. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of naming names, but I, I, I still think uh, uh, the the big boy from Calera's you know, under constant evaluation as well. Yeah, I think he, he's visiting uh, – Jason Jones is visiting Oregon this weekend. I still don't expect him in this class. I know they want him to blue shirt. He also visited Baylor the weekend before. Uh, I, I still expect him to be up elsewhere on signing day because I don't think William, from what I'm hearing, I don't think Alabama has had much, uh, you know, contact with him. Well, you know, I think, unfortunately, you know, most everybody feels like he needs to move to the other side of the football. And, and you know, just from watching his film, I, I think he could end up being an elite offensive guard at the next level. Um, but, you know, he's got to make that decision for himself and what's best for his future. But, you know, just based on everything that I've seen on film, I, I certainly <coughs> agree with that assumption. And, uh, you know, that's why I was saying I felt like it was possibly going to be, and you, you've mentioned all the names, um, that it was probably going to be, you know, probably three more people that necessarily might not end up being a part of the Alabama football program, but I don't expect them to sign on National Signing Day. No doubt about it. And, uh, again, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to continue to follow that very closely uh, and see, as William said already, a very strong linebacker class signed by Alabama. And I tell you what, William, if they could pull a McKinley Jackson to put next to Tim Smith and then what we saw from Will Anderson in the All-Star game, though, again, I don't overreact to that stuff uh, because All-Star games are, you know, sometimes not true football. But the week of practice was very impressive for him. Uh, you've got Chris Braswell as well, uh, who, who uh, I think can be – I wouldn't be surprised if he grows into a defensive end. But, but uh, this this uh, in this uh, potential defensive line group for Alabama, if you put McKinley Jackson next to Tim Smith, that would have to excite a lot of Alabama fans. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of people, you know, should have learned last year at the All Star Game to you know not not discount the level of sticker shock that happens to these kids once they have to immerse themselves in the program. I mean, Antonio Alfano was dominant at that all-star game last year, too, and you, you saw it didn't take him six months to wash out. So, um, there, and, you know, I, I saw a real, real fascinating thing uh, yesterday. Um, if, if y'all get a chance to see it, it's kind of a – I might be a stretch here trying to connect it back to the Alabama program, but when I make my point, you'll understand why. But it was a – really good Netflix documentary that they've done on called the mind of Aaron Hernandez. And they spent a, you know, a good bit of time talking to Bill Belichick about how could something like this possibly fall through 
you know, the cracks with the most detailed oriented, let's just say NFL coach of all time. And uh, it, it kind of reminded me of, you know, the Enoma and Alfano situation, you know, certainly coach Saban has modeled his, you know, process at the college level, you know, identical to what him and Belichick had together in Cleveland. And um, it just, it just goes to show you, it's not a perfect system. You can't take into account, you know, some of the trauma that these kids have gone through, you know, in, in their home lives and growing up and, you know, they all come from different backgrounds. And so, um, as good as guys like Nick Saban and Bilicek are, there's always going to be, you know, well, there used to be a, you know, kind of a rule in coaching circles. If you could get a, a 15 guys to contribute out of a 25 member recruiting class, you're ahead of the curve. And you just have to go into this thing knowing that not all these guys are going to be, um, you know, the perfect fit. They're, they're going to have stuff that pops up in their lives that causes, you know, football to not be as important as maybe a lot of people thought it was to them. And, um, you know, certainly that became the case with, with Hernandez for a lot of different reasons and Alfano and Anoma and, you know, the list goes on and on. And I, I'm still, you know, as, as, as interested as I am in seeing how Timmy Smith and possibly McKinley Jackson do, I'm, I'm just as intrigued to see with maybe better coaching and another year of development, you know, come August, how Softshire and Ingraham look um, in the interior of that defensive line. So, I mean, we saw just after one year and spot, you know, reps during the season, what a monster, you know, Christian Barmore turned into, um, you know, by the Michigan game. So it can happen to, you know, a lot more people other than just him. Yeah, it can. And, again, that's why, uh, you know, I agree with you. I I don't think you need to overreact. That's one reason why uh, I didn't make a final decision on how good I thought Tua was until I saw him uh, in his first scrimmage because – we all got burned by Blake Barnett <laughs> uh, and how good a lot of people thought he was going to be. That never, uh, you know, came to fruition. He finished his career, uh, you know, as a, a decent QB at South Florida and then got hurt near the end of it. So, uh, again, I mean, they're just uh, – he, he, he didn't even finish his career on the field. Uh, so, you can't get too uh, excited. I mean, I definitely want to see Bryce Young and see him in a scrimmage situation. He's rocketed up the charts, basically a consensus top five prospect now. Many believe the number one quarterback in the cycle, uh, and, and certainly he's going to compete with Mac Jones. But Mac, uh, you know, ended with 15 touchdowns and three interceptions, so and he got a lot more playing time than you than most backup QBs usually get, and uh, really finished the year strong. And I know he had the two interceptions. People want to talk about if he didn't throw the pick sixes against Auburn. But the bottom line is he led the team to 45 points. Uh, the defense had their own issues. Of course, there was mistakes in the kicking game, too. They got to clean stuff up in all three areas. But uh, that's an intriguing battle for me, William, when you think about, uh, you know, Mac Jones, Bryce Young. Uh, but, again, I want to I want to pump the brakes until I see Bryce in a scrimmage. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, from every indication, he's off to a great start in the – the winter conditioning program and, and seems to be a, you know, a guy that the coaching staff is already turning to, to help try and finish this recruiting class off strongly. And, uh, you know, it's a, 
you know, a situation, especially I think in the part of the country that he grew up in, playing at a high profile, you know, one of the top high school programs in the country year in and year out. I think he's probably already used to the media scrutiny. You know, these kids come to, you know, I would say in the last five years since all the different social media platforms have become so popular, these these kids come to school um, even before the sports information and marketing departments can start, you know, kind of teaching them how they want, want them to be represented and, and, and represent the Alabama brand. They They kind of come media savvy and already ready and prepared for what they're going to see. Um, you know, at the college level. But, you know, this this 2020 Alabama football program is going to have, you know, a lot of interesting position battles. You know, with the departure of Rubs, you've got another, um, you know, two, two you know, spots in the receiver rotation. Who's going to be the, the number two back uh, behind Najee Harris? Um, you know, that defensive line's got some positions. Um you know, I think that are going to be up for grabs, assuming LeBron Ray gets back to 100%. Um, you know, the departure of Raekwon Davis, you know, that, that should open up the door. I think for, you know, Fairmore at least going into spring practice. And then with the um, the, the literal dumping of this, this 2020 linebacker class, on both the inside and the outside linebacker depth charts. It's it's going to be really fun, I think. One of the more uh, competition-heavy spring practices I can remember in quite some time. Yeah, because there's a lot of unanswered questions. Because to me, William, if Pete Golding comes back on this coaching staff, and, uh, you know, I, I've never reported, you know, a lot of people want to throw it in my face on Twitter that hide behind Twitter handles and are cowards. I uh, want us to say that I've said he's returning, that he's, uh, you know, going to be gone. I've never said that. I just said that I felt like there needed to be changes made. Uh, you know, that's up to Nick Saban, whether or not he wants to bring him back or not. I still believe there'll be changes after signing day with the staff. We've already saw the one change. Freddie Roach is coming in. We believe to be the defensive line coach. Uh, you know, Bo Davis has not, wait. you know, the report's been out there that, he cannot get out of his contract with uh, Detroit. He was at the Senior Bowl this week coaching, uh, you know, uh, and, and there's even uh, uh, rumors that they're unsubstantiated that the SEC wasn't ready to let Bo back in the league, even though he's been cleared by the NCAA. So, so we'll see. I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm going to be interested to see what happens with the staff after signing day. I know Pete Golding's been heavily involved with McKinley Jackson. We've already talked about how important McKinley is to this recruiting class. Uh, and I know uh, they, uh, McKinley has a connection with him. Brian Baker looks like he's going to be moved into Burton Burns' old job. Burton Burns is a you know associate athletic director for football. Uh, he has a year left on his contract. Burton, uh, you know, after some hip replacement surgery, feeling much better physically, wanting to coach again. Uh, Jimmy Sexton took him up with Joe Judge who had been at Alabama in 2010-2011 as the assistant special teams coach. Joe Judge now the head coach of the Giants, and Burton Burns going to coach running back. I'm happy for Burton. He gets a chance to do it at the highest level uh, with Saquon Barkley, a very talented player. But uh, going to be interesting to see uh, this staff and kind of some if there's some movement after signing day because I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. So far, the only change looks like Brian Baker sliding off the field and Freddie Roach coming into the D uh, to the D line room, 
Freddie Roach also said to have a really good relationship with McKinley Jackson. Absolutely, and I think uh, you know that 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 probably wasn't one of the main reasons why he was hired here, but I certainly don't think it hurt either. Um, you know, I, I heard a couple years ago that that Freddie Roach, you know, was kind of you know entrenched with the McKinley Jackson situation, and you know, certainly that that situation can um, you know be in flux due to the the constant turmoil and transition that goes on in the old Miss football program. That's never been some, you know, some place I should say that, that breeds stability, but um, I like the hire. I, I think he's, you know, gotten a, you know, gotten a taste of what it's like working from Nick Saban, um, you know, both in the weight room and, um, as the director of player personnel in the past, he's, you know, coached defensive line, you know, outside linebackers, whatever label you want to put on it at several different levels, South Alabama, Murray State, um, you know, most recently at Ole Miss. I mean, I think he's he's ready to take that next step. You know, certainly his relationships in the state of Mississippi and North Alabama are going to benefit his efforts on the recruiting trail. But I, I just like the hire. I think he's, uh, you know, one, one of the hot young names in college football right now and, you know, it, it's – and I hate to be such a negative Nancy, but, you know, the, the Bo Davis hysteria was just totally lost on me. I, I just don't understand how a defensive line coach um, – and, and the numbers are right there in front of anybody that, that want to look. Uh, you know, go look and see how good the defensive line did after Bo Davis left under Carl Dunbar. Um, in 16 and 17. So, you know, he, he's not some D-line whisperer. There's plenty of other people out there that can do a great job. And um, I like the move of, of fresh blood, albeit with a connection to the program as a former player and, and deep, deep relationships at the high school level in, in the state of Alabama and Mississippi. Yeah, he's a young guy that has a lot of energy. You know, we'll see how much you can get out of the D-line room. Uh, he did a good job of helping Josiah Cody and Benito Jones develop at Ole Miss. I know they have a ton of defensive success, but I thought they were better this year. Uh, certainly, uh, that wasn't uh, – Freddie kind of went into a situation which was a, a very tough one, trying to rebuild that program during probation, uh, you know, which is – we've already – as Alabama fans, if, if you follow this program, you know what that means. Uh, so, Freddie has uh, worked his way up the ladder. And I think it's important, no doubt about it, uh, that – uh, that, that he that he's been with Nick Saban on two other occasions, and it's kind of like what he did with Jeremy Pruitt. William, he brought Jeremy Pruitt back to, to run the defense after he went and got experience. He it's on a smaller scale and, a, and, a, and as a position coach, but he's uh, kind of uh, wanted uh, Freddie to go out and uh, and earn his stripes, and that's pretty much what he's done. Now he's very familiar with Ole Miss and the SEC. Yeah. And, and- yeah, and, and I think, you know, it's he's going to get thrown into the fire right off the bat. I mean, there's no secret that, that Alabama's defensive line is, is very deep with, with, you know, quality football players. You know, a lot of them are young. But um, we'll, we'll see just how good of a hire it was, I think, you know, by the middle of fall next year. I mean, that they're, the defensive line certainly didn't perform up to expectations this year. Um, 
you could probably say that about all three levels of the defense. But, um, you know, I think he's going to have a chance to show what he can do right off the bat. You know, let, let, let's see, you know, some of those young guys, and I know they struggled with injuries, and, you know, some of them had to get bigger, some of them had to shed weight. But, you know, that was one heck of a defensive line class um, that they brought in last year. And uh, But, you know, that was the thing as, as the season wore on last year. I mean, you know, you didn't see, you know, a bogey get better than he was in August. You didn't see, uh, you know, Young get better than he was in August. And, you know, there just wasn't the typical things that you normally see out of guys, especially when they get the kind of reps that they did during the course of the season. Um, you, you just didn't see that development take place. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see what Freddie can do. He's He's got a chance to, you know, really make an impact on this program in year one. Yeah, they, we'll, we'll see. That, that'll be one of the storylines people are following definitely during uh, spring practice is to see the development of this defensive line and, and kind of ultimately where this coaching staff turns defensively. Uh, you know, Carl Scott, there's been some reports that, he had heavy interest from Baylor, you know, Dave Aranda going there now. And LSU's kind of learning what what Alabama's had to go through for several years, William. Uh, there's, uh, I guess, the, turnout, the last one turned out the lights uh, that leaves. Uh, LSU suffered heavy losses, both with, uh, with nine underclassmen declaring for the draft. And then uh, the majority of their coaching staff, at least, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you have uh, Dennis Johnson, defensive line coach, leaving. Uh, you've had uh, both Joe Brady and Dave Aranda gone, and even, uh, uh, you know, George Munoz, who was thought to replace Joe Brady, he goes to Baylor as wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator. Uh, the LSU's lost a lot. It's going to be interesting to see how Ed Ogeron uh, ends up retooling this roster. A lot of people thought De'Eric King, the QB from Houston, would end up there. He ends up at uh, – uh, Miami, so a lot of things not lining up the way LSU thought. And if Alabama can outmaneuver them for McKinley Jackson, I mean, certainly they've had a, a really good recruiting class. But I, I think uh, LSU's fixing to learn what it's like to be the hunted. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, it's, it's been kind of surprising to me um, changing gears from the same topic but with a different school. I mean, you, you, you started, you know, maybe wondering if Dabo had uh, – dirty pictures on Jeff Scott. It, you know, it took him forever to, uh, you know, lose a significant coach, although I thought it was pretty significant a few years ago when Marion Hobby left as their D-line coach and went back to the NFL. Uh, but but that's that that's going to be interesting from a recruiting standpoint to see how Dabo recovers from that because Scott was easily their best evaluator, um, had – Strong, strong relationships from South Florida all the way up the Eastern Seaboard, um, you know, at the high school level and stuff. So you know, he's finally moving on, getting a chance to run his own program, and um, you know, we'll see how Dabo recovers from that. But yeah, that that was a, you know, a, a bloodletting down there in Baton Rouge um, since the national championship game was over with, both from a coaching standpoint and a you know, a loss of, of a depth chart, basically. I think the only other one that's, uh, you know, suffered the same kind of losses from a player's standpoint is, is our buddy Forth and Kirby over there in Athens. They, they got gutted as well. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting, you know, 2020 season in the SEC. New, new faces, 
you know, at the head coaching positions, a lot of new coordinators and, uh, you know, several, several teams that we just got through talking about that were, you know, in the hunt last year. And, and, uh, you know, one of them finished on top. It's got to really hope they've done a good job of recruiting and developing, developing the next guys up at several different positions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, what happens, uh, you know, uh, at the tight end position, too, because Miller Forstall is back. But as you know, William, he has an extensive uh, injury history. Uh, and then they, they moved Kendall Randolph and Chris Owens over there. But I think Alabama felt like they were telegraphing what they were doing offensively when they, when they would uh, have those guys in personnel packages. I think they would like to have a tight end, as I said, uh, it was a guy that's well-rounded that can block and also catch and be effective. I've never been a major Tennyson fan. I don't think he's a tough kid. Uh, he's inconsistent catching the football. I don't think he's a great blocker. Uh, you know, so I'll be interested to see if they take Carl Tucker. I know they gave they were going to give him a long look this weekend. He just got a sixth year of eligibility, uh, and he uh, spent his entire career at North Carolina. He's a little bit on the short side, listed at least. From what I've seen him listed at six one or six two, two fifty. So I'll be interested to see if they end up, uh, you know, bringing him in, William, uh, as a graduate transfer. I know uh, uh, they've been brought in guys before, and sometimes they pull the trigger, sometimes they don't. Uh, but it does sound like they're trying to improve that tight end room, and they missed on their top two targets. We know Darnell Washington and Arik Gilbert. So. Uh, this is a, I, I do find it interesting, though, they decided to bring Tucker in. If they did, there's got to be some legit interest there. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe they waited uh, too late in the process, and maybe there never was a chance once, uh, you know, Chad Morris got hired so quickly by Gus Malzahn with Brandon Fraser, the tight end out of Texas. Um, I, I, I personally would have rather have had him than Gilbert and Washington, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, but, but it's still, you know, I think, uh, um, you know, a, 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 there's a great, great nucleus here. Um, you know, if they can get the coach and staff stabilized and, and have everybody on board going into spring practice once national signing day is over with, I think this team, especially with a lot of the dynamics going on, um, around them in the SEC that, you know, they're certainly going to be, um, you know, the, the, the pick, I think, probably to win the West and, and go to Atlanta and another, you know, run at the college football playoffs if everything falls into place for them properly. Yeah, it's going to – I'm going to be fascinated to, you know, to just to, I, I, to see – and I want to see how healthy, you know, Will Reichert is because I still think he was on his way, even though he got off to a little bit of a slow start, to stabilizing the place-kicking job. And, of course, it had its usual inconsistency last year. And as we saw, uh, you know, there was rumors that uh, – and uh, I had heard that Ty Pirine had pulled a muscle, uh, you know, in bowl prep, and that's the reason Mike Bernier uh, finished his career as the starter in the bowl game. Then you hear from Bernier himself saying that he basically just uh, – he outperformed P. Ryan. There was no injury. They just decided to go with Mike in his final game. He did a heck of a job. Certainly, 
it looks like Skylar DeLong is through at Alabama. He can't seem to gain consistency <laughs> as a scholarship punter. You would think he would end up in the transfer portal at some point in time. Uh, but uh, and then and I got to give Bernie her credit. He he slipped down because of Will Reichert punting some to number four on the chart, even though he had finished the previous season as the punter. He punted really well in the bowl game, uh, but now we're going to see, is it going to be Ty P. Ryan? Do they give Reichert another shot? You know, what, what, what walk-on possibilities could there be? I would think that the first option would be for P. Ryan to develop the consistency and be the guy, William. But, uh, you know, I would think they wouldn't want to put too much on Will Reichert's plate. Uh, we'll see if they get that red shirt year, because I think he kicked in four games in one in one punt attempt. So if I were Saban, I would be fighting to get his red shirt. Uh, but uh, Will Reichert, uh, his development is key too because they, they need some consistency at place kicker, especially considering uh, the uncertainty, the unanswered questions on offense and defense coming in. But it just goes to show you in all three phases, spring practice is going to be pretty fascinating. Hey, don't beat yourself up too bad, Drew. When Alabama lined up to punt for the first time against Michigan, I I jumped up out of my chair and said a few choice words. I was like, holy, holy shit, I thought this guy transferred somewhere. Yeah. Where in the yeah, hell has he been? Right, you're right. I mean, he, he honestly, William, he told the story the other day. He entered the transfer portal because he knew he, he, that he wasn't going to be the starter. And then he had lined up to go to grad school, and he was going to get a scholarship from Northwestern in the Big Ten to go punt. But they had a kid get hurt in fall camp and had to give the scholarship to another, uh, you know, bring in someone else at another position. So he lost that scholarship opportunity. And so that's the main reason he decided to stay at Alabama and go to grad school and stay in state. Uh, and, and, and he was still a walk-on, but you got to give him credit for the stick to And I was like you. I I did not pay attention. The last thing I'm doing, I'm sorry, in a bowl game is watching the punter warm-ups. So I I didn't pay attention. I just assumed it was going to be P. Ryan. And when he walked out there, it was pretty shocking. But I was really happy uh, that, uh, that uh, for him, anyway, that he performed the way he did. Oh, no. I just, like I said, uh, other than – Throwing some stuff at the TV for the defense, looking 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 totally lost. That was the biggest shock of the first half to me. I was just like, where where did they put? They pick him up on the side of the road. Where did he even come? You didn't hear his name all year long, um, right? You know, you you would have thought with uh, you know the injury to Reichert and you know DeLong's inconsistencies and and you know, that he would have at least gotten some mop up duty against Western Carolina if he was still on the roster. But I, I I was totally taken aback. I just didn't even know he was still on the team. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, but we'll see what happens with Reichert uh, in the spring. I would imagine, hopefully, he'll be well enough uh, to do some place kicking and see where he is. I mean, I know he had the hip injury, and they didn't push it. He did not kick again after attempting that punt, uh, you know. Uh, and uh, and so uh, they uh, they uh, they uh, pretty much just put him on the shelf and allowed him to heal as you know as you know as much as possible. Hopefully, everything will be fine with him. The only kind of uncertainty and uh, that, that I'm I'm anxious to see is. I've heard some. There could still be a situation with LeBron Ray's foot. I know he practiced some in a black jersey toward the end of, uh, you know, for bowl preparation. He was seen out there, 
But if it doesn't heal properly for him, you have to start wondering about his career. That would be tragic, William, because he's a guy – I know you mentioned how deep the defensive line is. He was starting to assert himself this year against South Carolina when he re-injured it and had to have more surgery. You hope for his sake he can get back out there on the field because I watched him in high school. He was a dominant player, and he certainly, along with a healthy D.J. Dale, could transform that defensive line group because Dale was never really healthy last year. And, you know, I don't think we'll see him do much during the spring. hes I would imagine they're going to have to have some sort of surgical procedure with his knee. Uh, in the same way, we already have known that Justin Boykby, you brought him up. One of, the, one of his issues was he hurt a foot in fall camp last year, and then it was never really right. He had to have surgery recently. So uh, a lot of guys, you know, may have to miss the majority of spring. We won't really know about him until the fall, but, that D-line could look a lot different next year, and especially if Freddie Roach uh, can have an impact coaching. Yeah, and I mean, if there's any question at all, I mean, they should hold all those guys out of spring practice. Um, yeah. Let yeah. Them, you know, that, that, that gives them, you know, January till, till August before they have to do contact drills and stuff, and I mean, God Almighty, with all the stem cell and, and plasma stuff that they're doing, and if uh, if those guys aren't 100 percent by next by this August, then there is some questions about their careers, um, and maybe the people that are working on them too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I just think that's that's going to be the most interesting thing about you know from now until you know the, the first game of the year, Drew is. You know, the, the, the team could, you know, in a lot of ways look look the same and, you know, the way they finished against Michigan. But I think specifically on defense, um, you could have a lot of new faces. And, you know, I think there's a lot of situations. You've already mentioned, um, you know, tap the brakes to you see in a scrimmage. But, you know, if he's as advanced as Tua was when he showed up, can Mac Jones hold out Tua? Can um, – you know, Shane Lee and Christian Harris, you know, hold off some of these young kids. Um, you know, I think both of those outside linebacker positions are going to be very interesting position battles to follow because um, those two young men that just got started in the weight room, Drew Sanders and Will Anderson, are as good as I've seen in a long time at what they're supposed to be doing. And I, I would hate to see this happen, Drew, but I get asked this all the time if it's a possibility. I mean – and the answer is yes. Drew Sanders could be Rob Gronkowski at tight end if Nick Saban decides to put him there. Well, I, I hope what Saban does is play him both ways. I, I'd love to see him use uh, Drew Sanders in the red zone and then let him play outside linebacker. Maybe end up uh, maybe he ends up a Sam, uh, you know, uh, a guy like that uh, could, uh, could play, can play. He's athletic enough to drop back in pass coverage. He can also rush the passer. Uh, I mean, I know Anthony Jennings kind of struggled in coverage, but he was a really he was really good at setting the edge against the run, and he was an underrated pass rusher. Uh, uh, he was a senior, and we just never really saw, I don't think, how good Lewis could have been. And that's something that, uh, you know, I think is always going to be regrettable. Still think he can be a very effective NFL player, I probably due to the injuries and the lack of production the last month of his career. Probably be a, a – a third or a fourth round pick could still be a steal. Uh, I think Jennings will probably be drafted uh, in that three, four, fifth round area. And I still think he can be a very solid pro outside linebacker. But you're right. That's two 
uh, you know, big shoes to fill right there. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm anxious to see King Makuta in this spring and see how he develops. Uh, he played some on special teams last year. Didn't get a lot of time on defense, but he kind of caught my eye in the scrimmages last year, how quick he was. I mean, I, I think uh, he can – I, I want to see – and I want to see Quandarius Robinson. We didn't get a chance to see a lot of him because he wasn't healthy as a senior in high school. But much like you talked about uh, with those other two young guys led by Drew Sanders, there's a lot of ability in town and Will Anderson and seeing where they fit. And, you know, I I, I know – I think Will Anderson's finally a five-star. He should have been a long time ago. And Drew Sanders is as talented as any prospect in the entire class. I'd say he may be considering – what you talked about with his ability offensively, he might be the most talented. Uh, but certainly uh, those two guys are going to have a chance to make an impact as well. And I, I, I still like uh, Demoye Kennedy and Jackson Bratton inside. Those are two good young inside backers. But I'm going to be anxious to see Dylan Moses, how healthy he is, how he's moving. And then Joshua McMillan. I don't think McMillan will start because of Christian Harris's development. But he can certainly be very valuable as a teacher to these young guys. And, you know, he, he's coming back uh, for his sixth year. And he can help, you know, uh, I, I think uh, the, the development of Harris, the development of Shane Lee. And actually for Shane Lee's career, I think him being able to be a sub-package guy and not play three downs is going to help him. Because, William, I know you and I agree on this. He got way too much heat from the fan base. He is a better player than he's being given credit for. He had to do too much at too young an age in a defense like that. Yeah, and what, what I was trying to say when you were talking about Anthony Jennings struggling in coverage, hell, the only thing he struggled at was catching footballs. Yeah. Uh, he, did a great, he, did a great, he did a great job of dropping into coverage and getting to point A to point B. I just think he dropped seven or eight interceptions in the last three years. Yeah, but, he definitely. Uh, Anthony, not a receiver. You're right. But, yeah, it, it's going to be fun to see. And, and uh, I had totally forgotten about Dylan Moses, too. I mean, certainly he's going to be one of the starters at the inside linebacker spot. And, uh, yeah, I would be shocked if, at least, you know, early on if Christian Harris isn't the other one. I think he actually did, you know, develop. And things will really slow down for him in year two. Um, I think everybody forgets that last year was his first time to be a full-time inside linebacker at any level of football. So the, mm-hmm. the light should really come off for him pretty quickly. And I, I want to yes, ask I do you, agree with you. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, yes, I do agree with you about Shane Lee being asked to do too much too soon. Yeah, that's, uh, he was, and I think he battled. I think both those young guys did. Uh, in I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you what's your opinion? Do you think that we'll see or should uh, I guess I guess the first part is should the, should we see and do you think we will see more changes on that defensive staff after signing day? Um, you know I would be kind of shocked not to see him. Um, I, I I do think there's been some conversations about you know Pete Golding remaining on the staff if, if certain things happen. Um, I'll be surprised if, if there's not someone else brought in uh, in, in a co-defensive coordinating type role um, where, the, where the new person actually makes the calls. Um, but we'll have to wait and see how that happens. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, 
you know, the reason you saw Carl Scott's name mentioned so prominently with, with uh, Baylor is, is if he hasn't been told to maybe look around and try and find something else. I do think that for, for the immediate, you know, future, um, you know, bringing Freddie Roach in and, and removing Baker was probably the, the thing that needed to happen the quickest, um, both both from a, uh, you know, more from an on-the-field, you know, deal than, than recruiting. Uh, but certainly I would think that uh, Freddie Roach can do a better job in that department as well, too. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt Freddie Roach is uh, going to be an upgrade in recruiting. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I think definitely uh, he's going to provide, uh, you know, a boost and some juice there. I think Brian Baker uh, didn't enjoy the recruiting process. Uh, I think the same thing with Craig Kuliagowski, Coach Cool now. Uh, he's off the payroll at Alabama. He's going to be co-DC back at his alma mater at Toledo, coaching outside linebackers. Uh, you know, but these, uh, but uh, so we'll see, you know, what happens with that. I wanted to give a quick basketball update. Uh, as I said, you know, covered Alabama last night uh, against uh, Kansas State. They've won four in a row. Uh, they ran Auburn off the floor, dominated that game, led from start to finish. Also, uh, soundly defeated Missouri uh, at home. Uh, you know, they've been on a nice little run here. They won at Vanderbilt, a place historically that Alabama has not had a lot of success. They've only won, I think, four times since 1990 in Memorial Gym now. But uh, they didn't play their best basketball, but they won uh, by 15 points, 77-62. They get a 77-74 win over a tough K-State team last night. We're seeing Nate Oates' system take, take, take uh, you know, control here. And, uh, and he, I think his, uh, his system is starting to uh, breed a lot of results with this, with this group. A lot of excitement around the program. There's been three straight really good home crowds of over, you know, nearly a sellout against Auburn. Really, it was sold out. Uh, and ten and about 10,000-plus the last two home games, Missouri uh, and K-State. So, a lot of excitement. We've seen John Petty develop into one of the best players in the SEC, finally living up to his accolades. And that wasn't all him. I think definitely this coaching staff is getting the most out of him. Kyra Lewis, uh, you know, uh, continues to get better. He had 26 last night. We've seen a, a healthy Herbert Jones and the uh, impact he can have. One of the best defenders uh, in the SEC, uh, most versatile players. He had double digits again last night. And, of course, Alex Reese from Pelham, Alabama, really good fit for this system as a stretch four. And uh, he's played some really outstanding basketball in the last couple weeks as well. They've got a huge game coming up against SEC leader LSU. At 6 o'clock, uh, I believe it's going to be in Red Stick on Wednesday. So really looking forward to that. And we'll, of course, uh, continue to uh, bring you some uh, results, uh, you know, and then talk basketball here on BAMS Radio. I know uh, we'll probably bring you a, another update uh, going into signing day next week. And I, I'll have a, a, and we'll have some more basketball info for you. We'll, of course, uh, we'll be following that LSU result. And then they have Arkansas coming in on Saturday. Arkansas, of course, under Eric Musselman, uh, one of the surprises in the SEC. They're definitely in the NCAA tournament conversation. Alabama 12-7 and right now, 4-2 and in the SEC. They've gotten themselves back into the conversation uh, to be in the NCAA tournament. But a big stretch coming up, uh, starting uh, with LSU and Arkansas this next week to continue to climb that ladder. But it would be really important and really uh, significant 
for Nate Oates and the squad to get into the NCAA tournament in year one, and they're making a lot of strides. They were fortunate to uh, to uh, to finally dodge the injury bug with uh, Javion Davis. He did tweak his knee against Bandy, but it's not going to be anything. It's a season-ending kind of situation. He did play last night. He should continue to recover. It was a slight sprain. Uh, so, uh, luckily, uh, the Alabama, after losing Juwan Gary and James Rojas, they've had some tough luck and for a stretch, Herbert Jones. But they do avoid it with redshirt freshman Javion Davis. So, some really good basketball being played by Alabama right now. Jaden Shackelford, one of the best freshman sharp shooters in the SEC. He had another double-digit scoring game last night with 11. It's a fun team to watch, and we'll continue to bring you some buzz uh, with Alabama basketball. But uh, we brought you some conversation today talking Alabama football. A lot of questions going into uh, spring practice. Uh, a lot of, And really, we want to see how they finish this recruiting class. Are they going to take in? It's Rake Straw at DB, Carl Tucker at tight end, McKinley Jackson. Where, where does Princely U uh, factor into the equation? We'll continue to talk for that next week as we continue to gather information. If there's still a lot of moving parts out there as to, you know, who they may take. And then with you've got the commitments like Damian George, who I strongly believe he, he visited officially this weekend. I think he's signed. That's going to be announced later. But now where does Javon, uh, where does, uh, excuse me, Javon Baker, the wide receiver from McEachern and Jamil Burroughs, where do they factor in? Both of them have academic concerns. Both are committed. And then as you heard William say, Jason Jones from Calera, but strongly believe he likely ends up elsewhere in this recruiting class and does not blue shirt for Alabama. So uh, he'll probably end up elsewhere. It'll be interesting to see where the big, uh, you know, OLDL from Calera, Alabama, who's been committed to Alabama for a long time. But again, uh, the uh, coaching staff seems to be going in a different direction. So we'll see, you know, kind of where those pieces fall, uh, you know, in this process. But for William Redfish Barger, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, we appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in to BAMS Radio. It's been an emotional day because of the Kobe Bryant situation, and he has passed away. We want to correct something. Uh, there was reports out there that his four daughters were with him. Thankfully, that's not correct. But unfortunately, his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, was with him. We're going to the, the uh, Mamba Academy, which is uh, Kobe Bryant's basketball academy. Sounds like uh, when this, uh, this helicopter crash happened, and so... Again, thoughts and prayers to the entire Laker family, the Bryant family, his wife, and, of course, his uh, surviving children. Just a tragedy. Uh, but uh, we wanted to correct that because we talked about it at the beginning of the show. But, uh, again, uh, just gone way too soon. But uh, we're going to continue to bring you all the Alabama Crimson Tide discussion. Uh, and uh, we will be back with you in the coming days before signing day. And then we'll wrap up recruiting once all the dust is settled. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, everybody have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll talk to you later. For William Redfish Barger and Thomas Watts, I'm Judy Armand. We'll talk to you, and uh, roll tide. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.